0: Farming programme with Araquit steel stockholders. Withambrook Industrial Estate, Grantham. For all your steel needs, call their friendly experts.
1: Open Farm Sunday may be months away, but the clock is ticking. And whether you've been involved before or considering taking part for the first time, help is available. It's going to
0: be jam-packed with information to help new farmers to actually... Start thinking about how they could organise an event to start their Open Farm Sunday journey and for experienced farmers, a few experienced farmers will be coming along to share what they do and how it works for their
1: farm. This week is Mind Your Head Week, promoting awareness of mental health in farming. We'll talk about that shortly and there's a new social group run by and for women in agriculture.
2: I was seeing a lot of posts on social media from women in farming who were Struggling. They were isolated, lonely, struggling because obviously husbands were out long hours, they'd got the kids at home and they
1: were struggling to make friends. And of course we'll have the market and crop reports and prices, important agronomy advice and the weather for the week to come. The Week in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme. With Steve Orchard. Hello, hope you've had a good week. It's been another busy week, not just in the fields and sheds, but in the arenas, the Yorkshire Machinery Show, Low Carbon Act Show and the Lincolnshire Farming Conference. And I'll have plenty to report on from those on next week's farming programme. Last week, we spoke about one of the scourges of rural life, fly-tipping, and now Nottinghamshire Police have introduced grants totalling £100,000 to tackle rural crime in the county. To find out more, go to nottinghamshire.pcc.police.uk and search Rural Grants. And there's more money coming our way from DEFRA for livestock farmers this time. I met Mason Rural's Lucy Turner and Ella Redrup at the Lincolnshire Farming Conference the other day. Ella, first, what have DEFRA got for us this week?
3: Steve, the government have announced that the Animal Health and Welfare Review is now going to be open to all eligible livestock farmers. There is funding of up to £684 per species annually to pay for a vet to come out and see you on farm and undertake an annual health and welfare review of that particular species. It's available for cattle, sheep and pigs, both dairy and beef cattle. So hopefully across the county, the opportunity will be there for a lot of our livestock farmers.
1: So Lucy, what's the aim of this new money?
3: The aim, Steve, is to reduce diseases in cattle, sheep and pigs, such as BVD in cattle. We've got the PRRS in pigs um, and effectiveness of worming treatments in sheep. Ultimately, it's to improve the welfare of the farmers' animals and hopefully to increase productivity going forward.
1: So do you need to be eligible for BPS to qualify for this?
3: With this funding, Steve, you need to have at least five hectares of eligible BPS land. And you also need to have an SBI number and a CPH number, which most livestock farmers will already have.
1: OK, Anella, how much money are we talking about?
3: The top payment per year is £684 for a pig review, down to £372 for dairy cattle. It's not necessarily based on that species. It's to do with the number of tests that are required um, for that particular species, which is, equates to time, basically. Okay.
1: Where can we go for more information on this, then?
3: So as always, the government are producing on a regular basis updates on um, how to apply for this funding, but also speak to your local vets. Quite a few of them may have already been involved in the trials of this review. Um, So we'll have some great pointers like the timings of when these reviews happen in line with your annual testing anyway, and making sure that you've already applied for the funding. Before you do the test, because if you've already done the test, they won't pay for the funding. So there's some considerations to have as well. But yeah, speak to your, your vets your land agent, and hopefully the scheme will be available to you.
1: And can we get more information from Masons Rural?
3: Absolutely, Lucy and I are um, more than happy to discuss with anybody the funding available and any other funding that the government are rolling out. So it's worth keeping tabs on our news page and social media for more information as it comes out.
2: We'll also be up at the
3: livestock market as well every Monday. So if you're in the do pop
1: in and see us. Lovely. Lucy Turner and Ella Redrut from Mason's Ruble. Thank you.
3: Thanks, Thanks Steve. Steve.
1: In perfect harmony, lovely. Open Farm Sunday seems like months away, and indeed it is, but organiser LEAF, linking environment and farming, has help available in a series of breakfast meetings starting this week for farmers thinking of taking the plunge this year. Good morning to LEAF Open Farm Sunday manager Annabelle Shackleton. Annabelle, tell us more.
0: Good morning there, Steve. So basically, it's an opportunity to meet face. To face for a couple of hours, 9 to 11 in the morning, and talk about Open Farm Sunday. So it's going to be jam-packed with information to help new farmers who are doing Open Farm Sunday for the first time to actually start thinking about how they could organise an event to start their Open Farm Sunday journey. And for experienced farmers, a few experienced farmers will be coming along to to share what they do and how it works for their farm.
1: Because it does vary enormously, doesn't it, from one farm to another. It doesn't have to be a great big event that requires months of planning. It could just be a walk around the farm, couldn't it?
0: Absolutely. That's the beauty of Open Farm Sunday, is it's down to the farmer to organise an event that they feel comfortable with. So if they want to organise just one farm walk for 40 or 50 people, that's fine. If they want to do an open afternoon or a series of farm walks during the day, It's up to them.
1: For those who've never got involved before, just in 30 seconds, what is the point of Open Farm Sunday?
0: It's one day a year when we get the whole of British farming to open their farm gates and help the public to discover the world of farming. Visitors are just fascinated to learn about everyday farming activities. They want to meet a farmer and just experience being on a farm. Those day-to-day activities that farmers do are just a whole new world to the public. They want to hear about the cattle that misbehave. They want to hear about the family. They want to hear about the characters involved. They want to hear about the trials and tribulations of decisions that they have to make, the choice of crops and and how things have changed on the farm over the years. They just love to hear those stories. 64% of people wanted to hear about stories. The next one down, 55% was animal welfare. 51% was wildlife and biodiversity on farms. And that is another one that keeps coming up in the top three year on year. The public are just really keen to hear about what farmers are doing to farm with care for the environment and to learn about the, the the wildlife and biodiversity on the farm.
1: Now, as far as these breakfast meetings are concerned, where could a farmer go to find out more, find out where their local meeting's being held?
0: Well, they need to go to our website, farmsunday.org, and there's a section there called Open My Farm, and in there there's a link to the breakfast meetings. So we've got 10 breakfast meetings around the country. The first one is in Nottinghamshire on the 16th of February. And if farmers can't make it to any of those face-to-face meetings, we've also got three Zoom meetings. And the links for booking onto those Zoom meetings are on the website as well.
1: Annabelle, brilliant. Thank you for joining us once again on the farming programme.
0: Thank you very much for having me.
1: A little closer in time than Open Farm Sunday is the week we focus on mental health in farming and the rural community. Mind your head week. It starts tomorrow, Monday the 10th, and Stephanie Barkley, manager of the Farm Safety Foundation, Yellow Wellies, to you and me, tells us what it's all about.
4: Mind Your Head aims to raise awareness of the different challenges that face the UK's farming industry and the numbers of farmers and farm workers that would be struggling with poor mental health right now.
1: But it's not just a week, is it? We call it Mind Your Head Week, and I know that's to emphasise what's happening. It's not just the week, though, is it?
4: Oh, absolutely not. I mean, the levels of mental well-being in farming are deteriorating and, you know, it's been pushed by political climate, stress caused by COVID and its aftermath, spiralling costs, continuing barriers to adequate care for people living and working in the rural community. So the message is that action is needed to support the ongoing mental health of our farmers and farming communities, not just this week, but every week of the year, because that does have an effect on their safety levels so that's why we're talking about it because we know and we've been told by our research that actually 90% of young farmers believe that farm safety and mental health are directly linked.
1: And although yes we, we agree that it's not just this week we are focusing on mental health this week what's actually happening then to promote this in Mind Your Head Week?
4: what we're doing is we're bringing together about 350 partners from right across the UK who are basically joining together to look out and look after everybody that's living and working in the industry, get them to think about their mental well-being, how to improve it, making sure that they don't get to that crisis period, because unfortunately, we know that there are some fantastic charities out there, but they are there and people are accessing them when they get to crisis point. We don't want them to get to that point. We want them to learn about their mental health, learn how to look after it, and actually learn where those places are that they can get advice, guidance, and support And because they do exist. But also, we can't keep relying on them. That is the problem. You know, they are, we are relying on those rural charities and those rural support groups at point of crisis. So let's try and take the, the weight off their shoulders and stop relying on them and start looking out for what we can do to prevent that getting to the point.
1: Because people from outside the rural community and outside the farming community will probably say something along the lines of, goodness me, you're out there in the countryside, it's absolutely beautiful, what on earth can you have issues with your mental health about? But it's not like that really, is it?
4: Well, no, not really. I mean, the last few years have been so incredibly challenging for the industry. You know, we started, mind your head, six years ago in the face of the uncertainty surrounding Brexit. But nobody could have foreseen what was going to come. The COVID pandemic, supply chain shortages, the war in Ukraine, and now the soaring cost of living, you know, and how they're impacting the mental health of those that are living and working and farming. And, you know, with all of those things, the impact on farmers, their businesses and their mental health is giving charities cause for concern.
1: Would the message to a farmer or somebody in the agricultural or rural community who... Is facing these difficulties, be don't leave it till the last minute, don't leave it till it's too Um, late?
4: Yeah, I think the thing is, it's about recognising that you can get help at all of those points. You know, we need to remember there's no shame, there's no stigma, but there is and there should be more support. We need urgent action at all levels to support the mental health of farmers. We need to take the pressure off the rural support groups who are increasingly being relied upon to provide support for those in crisis situations. And also you need to educate yourself about what mental health is and when actually it's not so good, you know, and what you can do to help people and where you can guide them to those support systems that there are
1: recognise the signs and we're fortunate as you say to have some very very effective charities uh, farming community network and more locally the Lincolnshire Rural Support Network but they are under increasing pressure themselves aren't they?
4: You're so right the calls to those rural support helplines have increased or become more complex over the past three years and they require more of a multi-agency approach but thankfully with people like Lincolnshire Rural Support and also Farming Community Network those guys are on the ground they understand the complexities of farming they can understand and empathise with what you're going through plus they can guide you to another person that may not be them but also might be able to help you get through whatever it is whether it's an issue with finances an issue with private matters you know whether it's an emotional support or mental health support or indeed understanding you know paperwork which can also cause issues as well but they can guide you through that and they can hold your hand the whole way
1: when you said a few minutes ago about you want to see action what kind of action are you looking for
4: Well, interestingly enough, actually, I've been down to see the minister for DEFRA, um, Mark Spencer, who has been phenomenally supportive of the campaign. He understands, coming from a farming background that farm safety and mental health are linked he's actually now going to work with us to see what we can do to make sure that education piece happens to make sure that people are looking after their mental health which also could affect their ability to farm safely he's looking to support us and things like that so that type of action is what we need we need everybody to do something not just talk about it we need to actually drive those better behaviors to risk taking and poor mental health in the industry
1: absolutely stephanie thanks for that where could we go for more information about mind your head week but about mind your head generally
4: indeed well you can follow us on instagram facebook and twitter we're at yellow wellies uk our website is yellowwellies.org and actually throughout the week we're really inviting people to share their content post their own experiences and use that hashtag mind your head
1: all right, Stephanie, thank you for joining us on the farming programme. Let's hope it's another successful campaign and things start happening.
4: Indeed. Thanks very much for your support,
1: Steve. It's a week we can all get involved in, and you never know where you or I may benefit. Time for our weekly crop weather and agronomy roundup. Here's
5: independent agronomist Sean Sparling. Good morning, Sean. Yes, morning, Steve. So colder, sunnier sunny a week then, still little or no rain as yet this month and nothing really in the forecast so thoughts now well and truly focused on what can we get done while it's dry and how much of that can we do before it rains that seems to be the mentality out here it seems to be of course it's inevitable really in a sunny settled spell like we're in now especially when we think back to that wet february of only two years ago which absolutely ruined all the plans of spring drilling so unsurprising that opportunities will be taken as they appear but eggs in one basket springs to mind on the easier, more fertile friable soils on the heath. I really couldn't ask for better drilling conditions and the seed beds are exceptional in some fields. It really is a joy to see these spring barleys and spring wheats going into some of the best looking seed beds we could really ask for in February, early February at that but there's always a caveat isn't there? There's always a justification one way or another because those who have already drilled are going to be cocker Hoop when it does finally rain or when winter finally kicks in. Those who didn't on the heavier stuff are gonna say that I told you so. There's really only a right and a wrong, only a best or a next best decision. But the seasons aren't as simple as they used to be in the days before anybody had heard of Wardy it used to be winter, spring summer, autumn, now we get winter, then full spring which is where we are now, then second winter deception spring, third winter the mud season, true spring summer, false autumn, second summer that usually lasts about four days in September and then you get true autumn and winter so things are very very different today what I'm saying is that the heavier stickier, plasticine land which is just that, despite it having been dry for the year so far may well be and i told you so if it doesn't go in yet in every situation then whatever is the right decision on the day will always be the right decision once you've made it you can't go back it is still only early February, so as I see it, it's a bonus if it's gone in, it's a blessing if it went in well, and it's only early February if it hasn't gone in at all. So, attention to detail with the seed rates, the depth of drilling, rolling, pre-emergent choice if you do go, as I said last week. The pre is important on those blackgrass fields, very important, but the best pre-em is always going to be glyphosate, as everybody knows, whether we want to admit it or not. Seedbed hygiene too, of course, and glyphosate is integral to that controlling those volunteers and grass weeds to control the green bridge if you can stop disease and the bugs from just stepping off the volunteers straight onto your emerging crop then you should do that It has been cold enough, of course, to knock out a lot of the aphids, but they're always evolving, so it won't have done all of them. So just be conscious of that disease and pest carryover and plan accordingly. Spring wheat, of course, if you're drilling, that'll go through to the end of March, 250 to 300 established plants per square metre. Spring barley, same, drill it up to the end of March, 300 to 325 or so plants per square metre, targets established. And the 1,000 seed weight, of course, is absolutely vital. If you've got a 1,000 seed weight of 55 grams, you're going to be drilling about 220 kilos per hectare of spring barley. If the 1,000 seed weight is 45, you're going to be drilling about 40 kilos less. So know what you're dealing with. Spring bean drilling as well being mooted at the moment. Condition's all right in some fields, but if it's wet and sloppy under there that's not optimal for putting spring beans in the ground on the heavier field. They don't appreciate being forced into wet seed beds, the foot rots and everything else come into play. So you may just want to ensure that you've got preems close to hand as well. If you are thinking of going out drilling spring bean, you really can't afford to miss that pre-em timing. Options post-emergence, as we keep saying, on peas and beans are almost non-existent, apart from bentazone in beans. So the pre on peas and beans are not optional. They are essential and you're aiming between 38 and 45 established plants per square metre on spring beans. Winter wheat still way too soon for fungicides and nitrogen. We can still get a lot of winter yet. These soils are still not particularly warm enough to enable the grabbing of nitrogen and sulphur, particularly if it's been applied and then it comes wet in the next couple of weeks. Plenty of rust out here as I said last week, so mapping that and planning is going to be way more cost effective than putting on a T-1. I heard somebody the other day talk about putting a t-1 on the only person who's going to benefit from a t-1 will be the person selling you it it's way too cold for it to give you your money back too cold for it to work effectively on these diseases just yet so don't panic just yet there's plenty of time for panicking later on if you've got manganese magnesium deficiencies etc showing up in the field then it is clear that if they're showing up and getting worse The crop is growing, therefore it would take up a foliar treatment, so treat patches and play these jobs by ear a bit in a spring like this. Manganese, magnesium, copper, zinc, very important nutrients this early in the season, but as I say, the crop has to be growing in order to take them in if you do go and apply it. Even that is going to take some justifying in soil temperatures, which are below four degrees C as they are now. So unless these crops are getting worse or they're starting to show where they haven't shown before, don't panic there either. So spring drilling, whether you put in cereals or beans in the ground, work out the optimum seed rate based on the thousand seed weight and the percentage germination etc you want to be just right you don't want to be too heavy you don't want a thick crop you don't want a thin crop you don't want to be too light so all of those things bring their own issues so a little bit of calculation you can get it just about right way too early by the way to put spring oats in the ground it needs to be an awful lot warmer for them and way too early for sugar beet as well although someone somewhere i have absolutely no doubt will be getting the drill out as we speak so it feels a bit like it's all about to happen let's if it does in the next seven days.
1: Thank you very much, Sean. Sean Sparling, Sparling Agronomy Services, back with us same time next week. The Farming
0: Programme, with our steel stockholders with Umbrook Industrial Estate Grantham, supplying the region for over 40 years.
1: It's probably patronising for me even to talk about the importance of women in agriculture, and will definitely not mention the stereotypical image of the farmer's wife stuck in the kitchen while the old man does all the hard work. But it is true, though, to say the social side of agriculture is often very male-focused – Now, though, a newly created group has been set up to redress the balance. The Women's Ag Group has been created by Rachel Middleton, a sheep farmer from Horncastle in Lincolnshire, and she's here to tell us more. Rachel, how did the group come about?
2: Just before Covid and all the delightful lockdowns, I had decided to do something for myself, and I was looking at helping women through life coaching. But I got quite frustrated with that because you can only help people if they come to you. And at the same time, I was seeing a lot of posts on social media from women in farming who were struggling. They were isolated, lonely, struggling because obviously husbands were out long hours. They'd got the kids at home and they were struggling to make friends find things to do for themselves hobbies and that sort of thing and so instead of looking to help individual ladies I thought well okay could we offer something to the greater number of people and back in March last year I put a post up on Facebook just saying if there was a local group to you that provided you know the opportunity to socialize would you be interested and it Absolutely went bonkers.
1: Because we talk an awful lot about men's mental health, and we know that in farming it's an isolated existence quite frequently. Not really spoken about women's mental health very much.
2: No, and I think the thing is, is that I'm not farmer bashing. Women are a silent army to the farming community. Um, They are the backbone. They keep the house running. They help a lot on the admin side. They are the unpaid extra pair of hands. You know, there's a lot there that they do and that they offer. And I think sometimes they feel that they're taken for granted. But also, because farming is such a unique environment, although they may know people at the school gates or things like that, Unless you're in farming, you don't necessarily understand the environment and the day-to-day
1: life of it. So what are you hoping to achieve with the group?
2: The background is for it to be a social enterprise and to provide opportunities for women in farming to come together, to support each other, to generate friendships, and also we're looking to hopefully provide learning opportunities for them as well.
1: Okay, now whereabouts are we at the moment? Are we still... I know it's still fairly early days, but have we got groups around the country? Where are we at the moment?
2: Yeah, we've got groups up and down the country. Um, in Lincolnshire, there's myself running the Horncastle group and then we've also got a lady that's doing North Lincolnshire stroke Nottinghamshire border. So there's a couple of groups and obviously with Lincolnshire being such a big county, we're hoping that if demand is there, we will you know, create groups um, in and around the county. So they provide in-person meetups and we also have an online community as well so if there's not a group near um, somebody they can come online and meet and, and get to know other people in the same situation
1: and are you looking to hear from people who maybe want to set up a group in an area where you're not covering
2: um yeah, if there's any ladies that are interested in looking at doing that, that would be awesome. Um just looking basically to to welcome anybody that if they don't feel they want to set up a group, that's fine. Um we will look at trying to accommodate them as best we can. It's it's more to do with social. I think a lot of people get mixed up thinking that it's a business networking, but we're not. We're we're there to to just be an outlet, a pressure release valve Support. for the ladies, yeah.
1: And where can we find you
2: then? Well, we are on social media, Facebook and Instagram specifically, under WAG UK, and that's W-A-G-G. And we have our website, which is
1: wag.org.uk. Rachel Middleton from the Women's Ag Group. Thank you for joining us on the farming programme this morning, and good luck. Thank you ever so much. Time for our weekly market reports and prices, starting with livestock from Louth Livestock Market auctioneer Oliver Chapman. Morning, Oliver.
6: Morning, Steve. Another weekly roundup from here at Lau, Starting with the prime cattle, which see bulls sell to 268 pence per kilo or 1524 pounds for C A Mottram and Sons of Harmsden, while heifers sell to 263 pence per kilo or 1614 pounds for J S Brooks of Strubby, and steers sell to 251 pence per kilo or 1528 pounds for J C Scully of Bomber. Moving on to the cool cows, three on offer sell to a top of 200 pence per kilo or £1,596 for B. John Ellenson of Gumby for Lincoln Reds. Store cattle week again this week with steers selling to £1,390 for J.E. Holden while heifers sell to £1,080 for W.H. Jakes and Sons. That wraps the cattle up and moving on to the sheep. Slightly fewer hogs on offer, SQQ at 233.85 pence per kilo, an all-in average 222.63 pence per kilo. Top goes to Ben and Pippa Williams at 289 pence per kilo, while H. Smith & Sons of Theddlethorpe top the pounds per head at 125 pounds. On to the call cool you, similar number, slight lifting trade, with an all-in average of 115 pounds and 5 pence, with a top for M. Hodgson & Son at 146 pounds per head. Finally, just a handful of in-lamb ewes on offer, all in average £80.77 and to top for D&C Lofthouse at £96 per head. Huge thank you to everyone that's been supported this week, both buyers and vendors. Tomorrow, we're back on to our weekly sale of prime and cool cattle and all classes of sheep, so please do not hesitate to contact me. This is Oliver Chapman for Masons and Louth Market, and thank you.
1: If you're anywhere near Laos tomorrow, do come along and see whether Lynx FM's John Marshall can make it as an auctioneer. I'll see you there too. Now to the grain markets. Openfield's Alice Killam. Good morning, Alice.
7: Good morning, Steve. This week saw another world supply and demand release from the USCA. After the explosives of other recent reports, this one seemed pretty uneventful. Global week-ending stocks increased slightly but less than trade estimates – Russian wheat estimates increased to 92 million metric tonne, but again, still lower than trade estimates. UK wheat production remained unchanged at 15.5 million metric tonne, with current wheat exports at 1.3. Ultimately, and most importantly, market reaction was muted to any of the above news. US wheat ratings are poor. They need rain after a very dry autumn. The worst areas affected include Oklahoma and Kansas. These are both two key wheat growing states. Also worth keeping an eye on as US-ending stocks are down in the first place anyway. In relation to the recent rally in European grains, I believe the same drive has been in place the whole week. Heightened tensions and possible supply problems from the Black Sea. European markets look a likely source of supply if the Ukrainian grain corridor does not get renewed in March, which is now only five weeks away. The negotiations seem to have already started on what happens next in terms of black sea supply, bearing in mind Ukrainian exports are at their lowest for three months. EU exports are already trending higher, with Morocco and Algeria the two top buyers. US markets have appeared lower this week comparatively to EU markets. This could be on the back of strained relationships with top buyer China after the now infamous spy balloon. Think what you like about that. Weekly exports, however, do seem okay, with beans now ahead of the previous year. Bear in mind, the US dollar keeps strengthening, and if this trend continues, it could put a strain on their own exports. I was shown a very interesting graph this week showing how important Chinese demand is to soya beans. US competitors are clearly concerned about US and Chinese tensions, but China needs the supply from somewhere. It is likely that South America would be the next biggest source, but ultimately, any increase in this demand should support our rapeseed prices. As of Thursday, Matif Rapeseed had closed higher five days running, reaching a three-week high. The market is waiting for updates on the production prospects within Argentina following the drought they have been experiencing. In parts of the UK this week, some have started to plant their spring malting barley. Indeed, I have seen dust coming out of the back of drills in places. Although there has been a welcome increase to the wheat futures recently, malting barley has remained completely detached, with no new demand emerging for old crop. The feed side isn't faring a great deal better, with a continued heavy reliance on exports. Russell's reports do claim however that EU barley exports remain 40% down on last year so there is still a lot of barley to be liquidated within the EU and the UK. Prices for this week feed wheat focusing mainly on demand for April onwards but please call for spot offers. April 225 to 235, August 215 to 220, November 220 to 225, September 24 circa 200. Milling wheat premiums are still holding at around £60 plus, depending on location. Not a million miles away from the £300X farm mark again. Feed barley, March 200 to 205, May 205 to 210, and finally for this week, all seed rape, February 465 to 470. Prices continue to vary depending on location, so please continue to call for firm values. Have a great week, everyone.
1: Thanks, Alice. The Farming Programme. Five day forecast. High pressure brings another mostly dry, calm and mild week this week. What wind there is today is from the south, dry and sunny with a high of 11 Celsius, down to around 6 overnight into Monday, which promises much the same as today. The wind for the middle of the week just about reaches double figures MPH, backing slightly from the southeast, dry but cloudier, highs again around 11. Light and variable breezes for the end of the week. A couple of degrees cooler under cloudy skies Thursday, but sunny and mild again on Friday. Well, that's it for this week. Great to catch up with so many at the Lincolnshire Farming Conference on Thursday and last week's Low Carbon Ag Show. I'll have some interesting snippets for you next week on the Farming Programme. I'm Steve Orchard. Until then, have a great week.
4: The Farming
3: Programme
1: with Araquip Steel Stockholders
0: Withambrook Industrial Estate Grantham BSI ISO 9001 Accredited